Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. By the way, the first thing that everyone heard when we turned on the mics was you sighing and saying, man. So I'm assuming you're thrilled to be here as we break down the Tar Heels 2020 schedule. I'm always thrilled to be here. It's an honor to be back. You threatened to fire me after the last episode that we did, even though I was... There were some calls for it. I was superb. I was really saying, man, because that that video of of Gio at the end of the intro always just kind of... So, so we, we were talking about it right before it starts because we, we have the mics off before we start talking. Thank God. If we were in the stands, we probably would not have been in the stands. Ever again. But yeah. Yeah. We, I, I mean. I would have been, we would have been kicked out for life. Maybe even arrested. I mean, we also may or may not have fallen over the front yeah, we could have been Section dead. 219 yeah. if we were sitting in the front. Death is a possibility. how excited we were uh, for that. Now, uh, maybe not, because we were in attendance for the Bug Howard touchdown grab to complete the immaculate comeback against uh, Pittsburgh in a game where we thought we were dead. Uh, and we were also there this past year for Chad Surratt's interception, although we were sitting up higher. So if we would have fallen, we would have fallen into rows of seats ahead of us. So we, we might have been all right. Yeah. Um, we've seen some legendary moments, but we weren't in attendance for that one. And we do believe that if we were, um, we probably wouldn't have seen all those other great moments. Right. But it's always great whenever we get to go back and watch those. We hope you guys really enjoy those uh, videos that we have there in the intro for you. And Carolina is looking to create some more memories like that this year, unfortunately. Uh, it's looking like we're not going to be able to see the sort of fam reaction that we've seen in years past to some of those great moments. But uh, at the same time, the schedule for Carolina is setting up for them to have a lot of success here in 2020 in a year where it feels like the Tar Heels, with this with the draw that they've gotten, uh, have a chance to, believe it or not, challenge for an ACC championship uh, for the first time since 2015. 
You know, we a few weeks ago when we got the revised schedule, we, we got on here and talked about just the schedule in general and we to really break it down in depth. And I told you I like the way the schedule is set up for Carolina. After I've done my prep and everything like that for this, I even love it even more. This this lends very well for this team and this environment, I think, to put themselves in a position to play in the ACC championship game for the first time since 2015, like you mentioned. Um, but, you know, there's still going to be some challenging games that they got to find a way to win if they want to be in Charlotte in December. Well, look, I mean, it starts on September 12th in Keenan Stadium. There will be no fans there. That game, along with the Charlotte game, uh, as of right now, guaranteed that there will be no fans in attendance. So uh, a little bit of a weird environment for Carolina going up against Syracuse, a team that you would think on paper they should beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, all-time meetings, Carolina has met them five times so far. Uh, they are 2-3-0 uh, and oh against them. Last meeting, of course, in 2018, that game up in the Carrier Dome where Syracuse won in overtime 40-37. to But this Carolina team is a lot different than that team that we saw in 2018 up there. And also this Syracuse team, a much different team than that team we saw up there a year ago. Still got some, uh, some good quarterback play, but everyone around the quarterback, not really as good as they used to be under Dino Babers. They took a big step back next, this uh, last year. Yeah. Now we got to wonder what they're going to do here in 2020 out of the gate again. Carolina. Yeah, you talk about that step back last year. They were 10 and 3 in 2018. People thought they could have been a sleeper to maybe make the playoff if some things went right last year. Mm-hmm. They went 5 and 7, mainly because they couldn't keep their quarterback upright. Their offensive line was one of the worst in the ACC, and that brought in a lot of changes for Dino Babers and Syracuse because there's expectation up there for that team to to win games and be competitive in this conference. Um but you, you mentioned the quarterback play, Tommy DeVito does come back for them and he can he can get the ball around to the, the playmakers and he can make plays with his legs. He's a dynamic player when he's healthy. But that's been the thing the whole time that under Dino Babers, their quarterback situation's never been stable because of injuries. But right. um, and I think the thing when I was looking at them, bringing in two coordinators this year, that's that's big with this year. You, they didn't have a padded practice at all before they got into fall camp. Right. They were one of the very few that right. didn't even get to get into pads. They had three practices and they got called quits. You're trying to install two new systems. How much behind are they going to be as a other teams like us, Carolina, we're already we're already established. We know our system. We're kind of just trying to get. We're trying to grow what we already have. So right. I think that's going to play a difference. But um, it's an ACC team, so there's going to be a lot of talent on the field that's September 12th in Keenan Stadium. But this is a game that if Carolina is the team we think they are, they should win. And I think you said they're they're a 17 and a half point favorite right now. We'll see what that line well, moves that's to. Grown to 20 and a half. Right. So, so that tells you what the odd makers think about this game. Right. I, I don't know if it's going to be up near that that level of separation in this game. I think Carolina is is definitely the favorite going into this game. But, I mean, for Syracuse, uh, I mean, you mentioned it, they got a lot of guys that they've got to replace. I mean, on the offensive side, you got to replace Tristan Jackson, your leading wide receiver yep. from a year ago. Um, so, you know, there's there are some pretty decent question marks in, you know, the backfield as well for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, this offense, you don't really know what you're going to see from Syracuse. I feel like under Dino Babers, you would always expect them to be able to put up some points. Um, but I think that thing for them is I don't know if their defense is really going to be able to slow down Carolina for an uh, for an offensive line that is a bit of a question mark for Carolina this is about as good of a draw as you can have because 
when Syracuse was really good defensively, that was the one thing that they could they were always good do. up front. Get yeah. up, get after the passer. Now it helps that you had, you know, legendary guys like Chandler Jones, who's now a star in the NFL for the Arizona Cardinals. But now, you know, you just you don't see those guys there. And you can tell they're not able to get pressure on the quarterback. Teams have been able to pick apart that defense over the last couple of years, uh, even when they were putting up big points. So I think this lends well to Carolina. Um, I again, you know, I, I don't think that this is going to be as big of a margin as maybe some people think. I think Carolina is still going to have some things that they're going to have to work out no in doubt. this game. Yeah. Um, but you know, look, we'll, we'll be of course talking more in depth about this game as we grow a little bit closer to it. Uh, after that, Carolina then goes on to meet uh, Charlotte, meet the 49ers in Keenan Stadium. It's the first time that they've ever played the Charlotte 49ers since they became a football team. And uh, look, this is a team that has a lot of potential under head coach Will Healy. But they have to replace a lot from a year ago, including uh, one offensive star that nearly made the NFL and a guy on the defensive side of the ball and Alex Highsmith that was a stud and was drafted in the middle rounds of the NFL draft this past year. What do you expect from this matchup for Carolina? One that I think going in, most people would definitely look at as a win, but I think might be a little tougher than maybe some people expect. This is the one game on the schedule that you would look at and say, no doubt Carolina is going to win the game. But I think there will be, I'm not going to say there will be problems. I think Charlotte, though, will come into Keenan Stadium and they'll be able to give Carolina, I guess, a game for at least two, maybe three quarters. Will Healy is known to be able to be a great motivator. He's done a tremendous job in only one year at the helm in Charlotte. You mentioned last year uh, they made the first bowl appearance in program history. With that, you know, you're going to lose some people's coaches. Your offensive coordinator uh, left to go to Florida State to join Mike Norvell's staff. You lose Benny LeMay, who was a thousand yard rush for the NFL. Alex Highsmith has gone to the NFL. But they bring back their quarterback, Chris Reynolds, who can make plays with both his arm and his leg and his three top receivers. So they're going to have potential offensively to kind of keep pace with some teams that they're going to play, maybe even with Carolina for a quarter or two. It's the defensive side of the ball. They're losing their leading tackler that you're going to have to worry about. they got to find their starting quarterbacks. Um, they do bring back their their, sa- their safety, Ben LaDuca, from from injury. DeLuca. But, yeah, DeLuca, DeLuca yeah. is coming back from injury. But this is still a game that really Carolina should be able to use to kind of see what you got from Syracuse and try to start fine-tuning everything in that game because after that, your ACC game's the rest of the way. Well, you do have a bye week after that, so if there are some things that you still want to sort of get ready to go for ACC play, the heart of ACC play, you can. Right. Then you go to your first road matchup of the season. October 3rd, you travel up to Boston College. Uh, Carolina, five all-time meetings with the Eagles, uh, which is kind of shocking to me that they've only met five times. Carolina with a three 3-2-0 and record in those games. And, of course, the last meeting way back in 2013, Carolina with a dominant 34-10 to win over Boston College. That was a Boston College team that wasn't really all that great. This Boston College team looks like it might be somewhat similar to that Boston College team. There's just so much gone from a year ago. You lose two of your top offensive stars, running back A.J. Dillon, one of the better rushers in program history, along with quarterback Anthony Brown, who's now at or- now at Oregon. And then uh, you bring in a head coach in Jeff Halfley, who, uh, you know, I... I- 
I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't overly impressed by the hire for Boston College. I, I think, you know, letting Steve Adazio go might have been the right decision. Um, but I think the other thing to realize here for Boston College is they're always kind of a middle-of-the-road team. Occasionally, they'll jump up there. But it, this year, looks like they're going to be on the lower end of the spectrum. And I think this game stacks up very well for Carolina's first trip on the road in 2020. Yeah, the big thing about this game is that when we got the original schedule, this game was supposed to be in um, November. This game is now in October, so weather shouldn't be as big as a problem as it would be um, in November. But you mentioned Steve Adazio getting fired. Jeff Halfley, you may not be a big fan of the hire. Everything coming out of there, out of Boston College, their AD loves it. Now, granted, he made the hire then left for UCLA, but everyone <laughs> thinks that he's the right guy to get this program elevated. They've made, Maybe. They've made bowl games in four straight years, but they just haven't taken the next step to winning eight or nine games. I don't know how you replace A.J. Dillon. He's probably the best running back in the conference while he was here the last three years. Their backup, David Bailey, ran for 844 yards and seven touchdowns, so you're going to have some some confidence that he can at least carry the load. But I don't see how this team year one is going to be able to move the ball enough to keep up with the likes of Carolina and other teams in this conference. And defensively, they just haven't been the same – Boston College Eagles defense that we kind of knew up what they were. That's how they won games because they could play so good, such good defense. Right. Um, that hasn't been the same the last couple of years, but I just I love this game more because we don't got to worry about it being extremely cold and and snow. And this is still a game that Carolina should be able to have their own way and find a way to win. Yeah, I mean, as we talk, you know, you you mentioned the defense. I mean, this probably looks like the first time that Carolina is going to be tested by uh, a really good defense. I mean, the first two games of the year, you just feel like Carolina's offense should be able to have their way. Uh, This is the first test, I think, especially for that offensive line. I know Boston College isn't bringing back a ton up front from a year ago, but they're always a team that usually finds a couple of pass rushers, so I think this will be a chance for that young offensive line to get tested, which they're going to need, because then that next week they head home, they take on Virginia Tech, of course, all-time meetings between Carolina and Virginia Tech, four 41 meetings. Carolina hasn't fared so well. 11 wins, 24 losses, 6 ties. You have the last meeting in 2019. Of course, uh, last year, you guys remember that wild six-overtime game uh, in Lane Stadium. Carolina dropped it 43-41. to And one of the big things that we saw in that game, and I think it's going to be another crucial part of this game, is the matchup in the trenches. That defensive line for Virginia Tech absolutely destroyed Carolina's offensive line for most of that game. Carolina's got to be much better in this game. Keep quarterback Sam Howell upright because believe it or not, even with everything that's left from Virginia Tech this offseason, whether it was due to graduation or to transfer, there's still enough talent on that team that this team could end up winning this game. I think this is Carolina's biggest test on the schedule, and I think if there's a game that they will need some sort of fan environment to give them a lift to, to, to win, this is the game. Um, Virginia Tech, you know, the this, it's a big year for Justin Fuente, even though he's won 33 games in his first four years there. It's uneasy there. There was rumors of him leaving in the offseason, go to Baylor. He stayed. Uh, Bud Foster retired. His protege, Justin Hamilton's taken over. We talked about that defensive line that kicked Carolina's ass last year. They got three senior starters up front that's going to challenge the offensive line once again. But they've got talent everywhere. Hendon Hooker took over last year at quarterback, was 6-2 and two in his starts after 30 points per game, really ignited the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a 1,000-yard rusher transferring in from Kansas and Khalil. 
Khalil Herbert, Trey Turner, and Tavion Robinson make up uh, on the outside as good playmakers in the passing game. So they've got talent literally everywhere. They just haven't. It hasn't really meshed well with the coaching staff and in the scheme. It feels right. like this might be a year for them, and this is going to be a game that maybe decide who who represents the second team in the ACC in Charlotte for the title game. That's interesting. I don't know. I, there's another game, I think, later on the schedule that it could come down to as well. Uh, Hendon Hooker, like you mentioned, um, I think, you know, Carolina actually, believe it or not, their defense looked better against him last year than Quincy Patterson, who they just could not find any way to slow down. But, um, yeah, one of the things that's so interesting about them this offseason, they brought in three transfer running backs. And remember when that's Virginia how they retooled Tech that was position. good, yeah. they, when they were really good, when they were competing for ACC championships, they like to run the football. That's how their offense ran and their passing game came secondary. I think that's what you're going to start to see here this year. I, you know, There's a reason, like you mentioned, Herbert's coming in. They just got Raheem Blackshear, who transferred in from Rutgers. He got cleared the other day. Marco Lee, also another transfer coming in. Um, and then, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, again, you talk about that secondary, always in good shape. I mean, right. losing Caleb Farley hurts really bad. Um, but you do have Devon Diablo, uh, who leads that secondary. Um, and then, you know, at linebacker, still got Rashad, uh, Rayshard Ashby, as well as Dax Hollifield. Mm-hmm. So uh, still a ton of talent here. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at the hierarchy of the ACC, I think it's Clemson. It's You go down to that next tier. Notre Dame is there. And then we have to decide, is Carolina and Virginia Tech in that same tier? I think they're all kind of equal. I, th- I think they all make up that tier. I don't think, and we'll talk about Notre Dame here in a little bit, I don't think Carolina or Notre Dame is marginally better than either us or Virginia Tech. Even though in most of the preseason polls, Notre Dame – is ranked in the top 10 even with most of the teams that mm-hmm. were that are not going to play. So in a lot of the voters minds they see Notre Dame is a team that's a step ahead of Carolina. And that's every Tech. year, though. Notre Dame might be the most preseason overhyped team every year in college football. Okay, now you're just now you're just not thinking because clearly. they're Notre Dame. That is very clearly either Texas or Tennessee, USC or Tennessee. Yes, I was going to um, say Tennessee, but I, but I mean, there I, we go. I put Notre Dame in that category. I think they're all, I think they're mm. all kind of the same. And the good thing is we're gonna we're gonna see it all play out this year. So no concern about Virginia Tech's. Uh, everything they lost in the wide receiving court, that was the position where they got decimated. I mean, Trey Turner is their only guy that's back. Um, you got to have targets for your quarterback. Well, and they bring back Tavion Robinson. I, I think there'll be enough there Okay, to, where, right. to where they, they'll be able to, to make it work. All right. I mean, I think it's a tough test, but I have to disagree with you that it's the toughest test. You move to October 17th. They go back on the road. They go at Florida State. 19 overall meetings with the Florida State Seminoles. Carolina 3, 15, and 1. Yeah. Hasn't really been all that great whenever they've taken on the Seminoles. Of course, we remember in the 90s, that was the thorn in the side for the Tar Heels. Couldn't seem to get over that hump. But the last meeting that they had, Carolina won it 37-35 to with the game-winning field goal that you guys saw in the intro from Nick Weiler. Uh, in that 2016 season, probably the last time that we felt heading into a season that team had a chance to make an ACC championship right. game. Uh, this Florida State team so much different than that Florida State team, though. Jimbo Fisher was still the head coach. They still had extremely high expectations. Now Mike Norvell is the head coach there after the disastrous Willie Taggart era that is going to be one of the laughing stocks of college football for years. We will always be able to look back and laugh at that. But, you know, there's just something weird about this team where it's hard to really get 
were overly down about their chances. I feel like this team is going to be better than some people expect. I still think Carolina should be the favorite heading in, especially if there's not really that big of an environment there at Florida State. That's one of the best things for them uh, when it comes to going in and playing a game uh, on the road against them. They always have a good environment that can help them win games. But man, this I, I mean, there's a lot on Florida State's plate right now, and it also doesn't help that so far with what we've seen from Mike Norvell, it hasn't been a smooth start in terms of the relationship with the players and, and everyone around the program either. Yeah, that's what I was going to start off. They they got rid of Willie Taggart, deservedly so. He, he sucked. He should have been fired. Um, but you bring in Mike Norvell, who at Memphis, we saw what he did there, and he was supposed to make everything instantly better. That hasn't happened. We just had a report two weeks ago with players coming out saying that him and the staff, they were lying to the players about situations regarding COVID-19. That's not a good look. You factor in they're on their fourth offensive coordinator in as many years. Oh, their defense goodness. last year was ranked 90th overall, totally 119th against the pass. They've got talent, but it a lot like maybe with Virginia Tech, since Jimbo Fisher left, it hasn't meshed. Well, And since Jameis Winston left, it never really came together. I don't get why they fired uh, Ken O'Briles. Didn't make any sense to me because that offense last year, I, at this point, I don't know how you judge their offense. because You can't because they can't block nobody. They, their offensive line is the one of the worst offensive lines I've seen. Gave up 48 sacks last year, I, fifth I mean, most in the country. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. And it's not like they're not recruiting the talent. These are th- the high-end three, four, and five-star guys that are just getting destroyed. In ACC play against opponents that they should. This is not, well, they're struggling against Clemson. They're struggling against, uh, you know, Louisville or Pittsburgh. No, they're struggling against Syracuse. They're Mm. they're getting beat in games like that. Boston College, Wake Forest. Getting destroyed on the inside. I mean, that's that's the area that they've got to get figured out because, I mean, you look at them last year. I don't think James Blackman is that bad of a quarterback. I don't think he's great, but I think he can win you games if he could stay upright. Mm -hmm. I also think, you know, look, last year, um, Tramion Terry, or uh, excuse me, Tamarion Terry, I believe is how you pronounce the name, uh, fantastic year. Mm -hmm. Over a thousand yards. Probably, I would say this year, just off the top of my head, trying to think of the rest of the guys in this conference, he is easily a first-team All-ACC wide receiver. Um, And, I mean, you look at, I mean, the running back position, now that's an area that's extremely thin. But they do bring in Jay Sean Corbin, who comes over from Texas A&M. There is talent on the offensive side, but when you are getting sacked every other play that you try to throw, it's really not going to do anything for you. Yeah. And then on the defensive side, I mean, I still feel like there's a lot of talent here. I mean, look, Marvin Wilson on the defensive line is fantastic. Carolina's going to have to find a way to slow him down. The good news is is that at defensive end, they're not quite as decorated. Uh, Jamarius Robinson is going to be trouble off the edge for Carolina. They're going to have to figure out a way uh, to be able to contain him. Um, and then, of course, in the secondary, a lot of talent there as well. But, you know, this Florida State team, it's weird. You feel like their defense, they have enough talent there. You feel like if all all they would have to do is block well up front, and this team could probably win seven games, but at the same time, everything that we've seen from them, this probably lends well to a game where Carolina can just pin their ears back and tee off on quarterback James Blackman, which would be great. Yeah, I... I... I look at this game, and if Carolina's the team we think they are, which we just said that we think they're in the second tier, they're gonna they should win this game. Yeah, 
And it shouldn't be something they got to come back and dramatically find a way to win. No, they should probably go in there. I'm not going to say blow them out, but control the game for 60 minutes. Especially this being year one where Mike Norvell has not had the time to get everything he wants to have installed and all that kind of stuff. This was like year two or three, maybe a different challenge there. But year one, you're bringing in new you know, coordinators, the quarterback position. James Blackman is, is should be the starter, but they're going to let the talented freshman behind him battle for the job. So you don't even stable at that, at that position. This is a game Carolina should win. Well, no, Blackman did win the job did he? Uh, yesterday. He did He did actually get named the starter there. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you on that because, I mean, look, Jordan Travis is talented. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's coming in and competing for that job, I mean, this is the third year in a row that Blackman's had to compete for that job. And remember, last year, I mean, pretty much they they went with him, but at the same time, they had as short of a leash as you could have on him, went to Hornybrook, that didn't work out at all, and then they had to go back to Blackman. I mean, there's just, there's no trust in him, it feels like. I don't really get why, because we're both in agreement that we don't think he's that bad of a quarterback. We think there's enough there for him to have success, but... Who knows? I, I think that's you know that's going to be the thing is how quickly can Norvell, uh, you know, sort of gain some confidence from his players. Uh, after that, you move back uh, into Keenan Stadium. It'll be a home game against uh, your first rivalry matchup of the season against NC State. Of course, all-time meetings between Carolina over a hundred, hundred nine. Carolina with the advantage, sixty-seven, thirty-six, and six. And the last meeting was the beatdown last year in Raleigh. 41 to 10 Carolina of course they were trailing at halftime 10 to 6 reeled off 35 straight to beat the Wolfpack and now uh, they'll welcome in a Wolfpack team that I mean look last year wasn't a good year for them it doesn't look like this year is really going to be all that much different I think they might be a little bit better defensively uh, but they're still searching for a quarterback and there are still a lot of question marks on that offense for where Dave Doran is he probably fights for his job this year yeah probably so deservedly so if I was an NC State fan I don't want him gone and I'm gonna try to stay classy during I don't want him gone stay in there you know I'm gonna try to stay as classy as I can when I talk about NC State uh (laughs) Carolina should have their way with the Wolfpack again this should be a game that they're trailing at halftime they're bringing in five new coaches on that staff to try to revamp what's going on there their offensive last year was 107th in scoring I don't see how it's going to improve when you're no you don't know your quarterback's going to be you can run the ball with Barn Knight he's back and you got four stars on the offensive line but I I don't see them being able to pass the ball very well. That was a big problem with them last year. And so I think I think we're you're gonna see the rivalry tilt back to where Carolina's the one doing more of the, the winning and NC State's trying to play catch up, whereas under Larry Fedora we were playing catch up to them. I think last year that, that win, that second half, I think just, you know, you, you could kind of feel it. Uh, even though we were at home watching the game, the tide just turned where Carolina has been probably better talent-wise and State just hasn't won those games. I think now the talent's still going to be in the favor of Carolina, and they'll find a way not only to beat them, but probably blow them out in the process. I, I think it's it's a really bad spot on the schedule for NC State. I mean, you're right in that area where you would feel like Carolina is going to be getting into a rhythm. Uh, it's and the same time where Carolina last year, really on the offensive side of the ball, found themselves. Right, and so I think that that stacks up well for Carolina in this one. Another one of those games where if you're going to compete for you know a spot in that ACC championship, you've got to win. You're a better team uh, than NC State. Um, I feel like it, you, you've got 
you, you've hit the nail right on the head. I mean, look, now you've got Mac Brown here. This is what he does is beat rivals. Mm-hmm. He was so successful at doing that in his first tenure. I think it continues here uh, in 2020, at least in this first matchup. Uh, then you go October 31st on the road, the South's old, uh, oldest rivalry between Carolina and Virginia. This one will be in Charlottesville this year. All-time meetings, this will be the 126th meeting in the previous 125. Extremely close. Carolina with a 64-57-4 edge over Virginia. And, of course, last year that 38-31 loss in Keenan Stadium. That Virginia team, deservedly, as we thought could be possible, went to the ACC championship game to become the seventh different coastal representative in seven years. But now that team is scheduled to take a step back. They lose Bryce Perkins. You lose a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball as well. But at the same time, it feels like they have finally found a coach there that can keep them competitive, and they've added a lot of transfer help here in the last couple of months. This Virginia team, while I still think they take a step back and Carolina should be the favorite in this game, I think this is going to be a tougher game than it looked a couple of months ago. Yeah, Bronco Mendenhall's done a really good job establishing himself. When he left BYU for that job, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to anyone in college football, uh, but it's now starting to make sense now. He's a good coach. He's, he's built the program, built the culture. Last year was a big year for them. They ended the 15-year losing streak at Virginia Tech. You went to a New Year's Six Bowl where you lost to Florida. But like you said, they're scheduled to take a step back because you're losing Bryce Perkins. Your top two wide receivers are gone. Um, now, they, they've got depth at the offensive line. The leading rusher comes back, and defensively, 15 guys that started the game are back, but they're still some questions for that team to be in that second tier to maybe get back to the AC championship game. I think it's going to be a tough game, though. I don't think Carolina right. Carolina always struggles and goes here and wins. They never It's never really easy for them. Whatever reason uh, it is. Yeah, a couple times early in the Fedora era where they blew them out because they were Virginia just... Virginia sucked. They were just... They, they weren't they even were marginal. They sucked. Mike London sucked. Yeah, well, well, Mike, Mike London would be good then he'd suck. Then he'd so, be good. Then he'd suck. That's how um, it works. Now, Mendenhall is much more consistent. This team is going to be a problem year in and year yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. I think they'll be a team that'll give Carolina fits, but this is still a game, even though it's going to be on a Halloween, you can have all those kind of distractions. Carolina's better on paper. They're better on the coaching staff. They should win the game. Well, this year, I, I'm assuming that wearing masks isn't going to be kind of as cool, kind of as cool on uh, Halloween as it is uh, in previous <laughs> years, considering we got to wear them all the time. So, uh, after that, I mean, you go to another game. You talk about a game where. It's a team that always seems to give Carolina fits. Since David Cutcliffe came back, we just cannot figure out why. But Carolina, no matter how much better they are on paper, they cannot find a way to blow out Duke outside of that 2015 matchup. Every game has been close. Duke has won some games. Again, this is not Duke of old where, you know, losing games. I'm still on that. If you when when we used to lose to them in the past, that team was awful. Yeah. It, now this team is at least, you know, they've been to an ACC championship game. David Cutcliffe is a good head coach. Um, but again, Carolina should come in a heavy favorite in this one. This will be the 106th meeting between the Toriels and the Blue Devils. Carolina with a 60-41 and 4 record against Duke all time. Last meeting of course last year was in Keenan Stadium, the Carolina the 20 to 17 win with the interception on the goal line by Chad Surratt to seal what was looking like it was going to be a loss for Carolina but ended up being a win that 
kind of changed the season for Carolina, made them uh, probably a little bit tougher as they came down the stretch. That cannot happen again this year against the Duke team that, uh, look, you know, again, we expect that they're going to be able to hang tough with Carolina at times, but at the same time, they still should be nowhere near on the level of this Tar Heel team in 2020. Yeah, no, you're right. That that game last year was weird for a lot of different uh, ways. If Carolina loses that game, you probably don't see them making a bowl game in Duke last year. If they would have beat Carolina, they would have went to the, to the postseason. Um, but nonetheless, David Cutcliffe taking over play calling in 2020 to try to get some life back into that offense that has really struggled since Anthony Boone left, which is saying something because they, the, their offense, when he was running, was very conservative but they, it was efficient. You bring in Cor- uh, Clemson transfer Chase Price takeover at the quarterback position. You got Jalen Calhoun at wide receiver and Noah Gray uh, tied in that you can get the ball to. Four offensive linemen come back, so you're going to feel stable on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, you had 35 sacks. That's the most that Duke's had in 10 years. Your top two guys at sacks come back. You've lost your top two linebackers and your best guy in the secondary departs. So there's a lot of questions around Duke that you should think Carolina should go there, make the eight-mile ride, and get an easy win. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I just don't I don't think that's how it's going to be. I think Carolina is going to have to battle in this one because that's always how it seems to be. The other thing by this point is you got to think Carolina will – I'm not going to be saying running out of gas, but this is part, you know, towards the end of that long stretch before they get another bye week. So this is around the time this past year where we started seeing guys get beat up. And I told you this last night, and I think this is an interesting point that needs to be brought up, and this is a good spot to talk about it. We, you know, we've been watching Major League Baseball a little more in depth this year. We've been following the New York Mets a little more in depth because that's our team. We've seen as the season has gone along, you've started to see the injuries pile up more and more because these guys weren't able to be with the team throughout the offseason going through the workouts that they're supposed to. We're not saying that Carolina's guys haven't been working out. I believe that most of them probably have because they believe that this team is going to be good. They want to do everything they can to make this team into an ACC championship contender like we think they can be. But you feel like this could be a point where injuries start to set in. We've heard Mac Brown talk about it, how developing depth is so key. I think this is the part of the schedule where we're going to have to see some of this depth on display. You just wonder how much of it you have to see. Yeah, that's why I brought up every time since we, as we've been moving into preseason mode, Carolina, the fact that they're able to develop so much depth in certain spots is necessary because injuries are going to happen probably more frequently than it already happens yep. because their bodies are not going to be as ready for the grind as they normally are. That's just that's how it's going to be. They've only had full contact twice now. Yeah. And those were scrimmages against mm-hmm. each other. That's it. So, so it's, you know, it's going to be different. The teams that don't have depth are going to be the teams that at this time of the year, they, they're not going to have a chance. The teams that have depth are going to be the teams that are still playing meaningful football, and that's what we, we hope that we're going to be doing. And, may, you know, last year they didn't have the depth, and maybe if they would have been deeper, they wouldn't have lost to Virginia, and they wouldn't have lost to Pittsburgh. I that's believe why, so. That's why or at stress, least one of those games. Right. I think maybe you drop that game to Virginia because Virginia was a, a, a very formidable opponent. I think you would have beaten Pittsburgh. That You could tell in that game, especially on the outside with all the corners that they had lost, that they were just beat up. I mean, DeAndre Hollins was getting picked on a little bit. Fought back at times, but 
at the same time, you could tell that they were just picking on Carolina's outside corners. This year, I think my biggest concern is that happening with the offensive line, is you see guys go down, because there there is not these guys that we've had in years past that you can just rotate in. Like, remember last year, you know, it got to a point where, you know, after he went down with an injury, Brian Anderson comes in, you had Nick Polino as one of your depth guys. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have those veteran guys that you can bring in as backups. Mac Brown's hoping to build that depth, but that's going to take some time. So after that game against Duke, Carolina goes back home. Uh, They will play Wake Forest on November 14th. All-time meetings with the Deacons, 107. Carolina with a uh, 69-36-2 record. Last meeting, of of course, was last year in a game that, uh, man, just felt like we were so close again, even after getting down huge early on on the road. Sam Howell got benched in that game. Got benched. uh, Probably the best thing that ever happened to him. Woke him up. We knew that was going to probably happen at some point. But, yeah, we saw Jace Reuter come in. Uh, That second half, different Sam Howell came out. Fired up. Uh, Carolina still lost 24 to 18, but the good news for Carolina, bad news for Wake Forest, uh, two of the big guys from a year ago are not going to be out there this year. You lose starting quarterback. Uh, Jalen Newman, who goes over to uh, Georgia, you get uh, Ch- you, you brought back Sage Surratt, but then he ends up opting out. Also, another big guy, Scotty Washington, who played wide receiver for him a year ago. So their top two wide receivers and their quarterback are gone. Now, I like Sam Hartman. Remember, he was the guy before Jamie Newman was there. He's still a, a pretty talented guy, but I think they've lost so much on the offensive side that I just don't know if this is the same Wake Forest team this year. Now, I'm not with some of the some of the people who now have them as a bottom feeder in the ACC. There's some people I think they could finish last in the ACC. Uh-huh. I don't think they'll be that bad, but I still think Carolina will now be a heavy favorite going into this game. Yeah, I mean, I'd like Sam Hartman, too, if I had, say, Trek to throw the ball, too, if Kate Carney was in my back foot, and if I had an experienced offensive line. He has none of that. Now, Donovan Green's not bad at wide receiver. So, He'll progress, but, but yes. But he's not, say, Charette. And no, he, of you course know, not. So of that, course not. I think that's the thing. They, they've lost so much and in, in a year like this that they couldn't afford to lose all that and trying to find a way to replace it um, and then on the defensively they lost their starting quarterbacks you were you returned Carlos Bashman Jr. second in the conference in sacks and tackles that, that's for the loss. one guy that concerns me here you know but game, Carolina but... should be able to negate that yeah this right. is a game that when we first got the uh, well they weren't even on the schedule originally um, but you know when you see this this is a game Carolina should win well, yeah, yeah. I think if when when I saw this game on the schedule with Surratt still in their lineup, I thought, okay, this could be a little more concerning. Now this year will be different. I think if Patrice Renee is playing against Sage Surratt last year in that game, that's a I, different, it's I, a different game. I don't think he goes as nuts. I still think he probably gets his catches catches a touchdown he's still really good he's yeah. going to be a first round pick uh, that's one of those ones that when you look back on how Larry Fedora and his staff missed him you just start sitting there left scratching your head because imagine him in this offense that Carolina already has right now it's not hard to imagine when your head coach didn't value state <laughs> recruiting but uh not only state recruiting, brother. Yeah, brother recruiting. recruiting at but that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I just, yeah, this team is, is totally different. Basham, like I said, could be concerning, but my thing in that game is, is you would hope by that time, 
more than likely he's going to be matched up with the Sim Richards. You hope a Sim has progressed to that point and has become the guy that you're expecting him yeah. to become. So then Carolina gets that off week, as we talked about. That could be huge if Carolina has any injuries because they have to heal up for, in my opinion, the biggest game of the year. The one that's going to, in my estimation, determine who goes to the ACC championship game. It's going to be Carolina welcoming in Notre Dame. All-time meetings, well, you probably don't want me to read off this stat. 19 all-time meetings, Carolina has won one. Yeah. <laughs> the 18 others have gone to Notre Dame. The last meeting, Carolina, a 33-10 to loss back in 2017, but that was another team. You want to talk about a team just beat up due to injuries. Uh, that was exactly what that team was. There was just pretty much nothing left at that point. You know, I, I feel like... By this point in the season, most of your question marks should be gone. You're gonna have you're gonna either have your offensive line figured out or not, which if you don't, you're gonna have adjusted to it by then. You're gonna have question marks on the defensive line figured out. For Notre Dame, you know, they've they've lost, you know, a decent amount at wide receiver that they've got to replace. There's some defensive guys that they've got to find a way to replace, but they're normally pretty good at doing that. By this point, these two teams should be in what we what we would expect the form we expect them to be in and i think you know man this this game is just going to be if if you're just a general college football fan i think this is probably the second best game in the acc all year outside of clemson and notre dame meeting yeah this is this is going to be a big game I, I, I lean more Virginia Tech would probably determine how Carolina season goes they, if they compete for a championship game. And you said Notre Dame, and rightfully so. They've won 30, 33 games in the last three years. Ian Book's a seasoned veteran quarterback. He's coming back, but he's lost his top three wide receivers. Um, so he's got to find new skill guys to get the football to. Their offensive line, though, return, so they'll be stable up front. But Notre Dame is Notre Dame. Brian Kelly, the fact that he is entering years now on the hot seat hasn't made a whole lot of sense because all he does is win 10 Every 11, year he's on the hot seat. You know, wins 10 games every year playing usually the toughest schedule in the country. Yeah. So, the, <laughs> you know, they still, they still go and play as tough as opponents as they can. Now this year, of course, they're playing an ACC schedule. And so, I don't know, this is a game that, I think I, I would love to say we could have fans there because could, could you imagine that kind of environment? I think if, we kind of need fans right, there in this one. If, if what we think could be on the line is on the line and you put it in Keenan Stadium, that would probably be a night game for TV ratings, what the environment could look. Even if you have a half-capacity crowd, that right, could still right. be one of the best scenes we've ever seen in Carolina football history. Oh, for sure. And I think you know that's definitely a possibility. I mean, yeah. We've seen there are teams around not only the country, but in the ACC that have allowed some fans, and I think we could eventually get to that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know that you're you're looking at. I mean, Sam Howell going up against the 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 veteran and that Ian could be Book. his Heisman game. I, I mean, that's going to be one of those telling moments. If he's in the Heisman race, that will probably be the game that they will look at and focus on and go off of mm. for most of the major voters. Uh, you know, again, we don't know if he's going to be in the Heisman race at that point. I mean, look at all the talent that is around him. We do think Carolina is going to run the ball a lot as well. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be one of those games where you're going to find out just where Carolina is in terms of this rebuild. Are they actually in the spot that we are wanting them to be in this preseason and that some of the national media people and the local media people like us are thinking that they're at already, which is ready to compete for an ACC championship? And even if they're not, I still think they if, if they are, I think they're a year ahead of schedule. I thought when Matt right. Brown got hired, it would take the year three. 
I don't think we'd be here in year two. Now, I'm, oh, for sure. I'm glad we're here, and hopefully it bodes well, and we're not and we're not proven wrong. But even if not, even if this team goes seven and three, even six and four, I still think they're a year ahead of schedule. Uh, yeah, I'd say six and uh, six and I four would be disappointing, but or right. six and five because they are playing eleven games. But you know, you would. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think like seven and four would probably be that range that you're looking at. Um, to be considered a successful year, which I guess we can talk about that here in a minute. But um, I think, you know, when I say this, if they lose this game, it's not a bad thing. But if they win this game, then this tells you they are where we think that they are at. They are in, they are, you know, as close to Clemson as anybody in the conference. It would probably be them, depending on what happens with Notre Dame, which again, I think barring anything, you know, COVID hanging around for, you know, into next season, um, something funky like that happening, I assume that Notre Dame is going to go back to being an independent because, again, yes. they, have, they, are, they have their own TV contracts. That makes sense. It's, they should never be, be in a conference. We don't want to get on that discussion. Ah, they should be an independent. That's I, one of the I, things I, that makes college football what it is. I think we should see them in the ACC. But, um, I, but I mean, that's, you know, I, I think it's – Carolina will will learn in that game just where they're at. Yeah. That's a measuring stick game. I think Virginia Tech is also potentially a measuring stick game. But I feel like that game against Notre Dame, especially with all the expectations that you could come into that game with, will kind of show you where you're at. I, I mean, I don't know. It's weird. That game, you, you almost wonder if that game serves better if Carolina has a loss somewhere along the way. Because if they come in with all that pressure of being undefeated. They'd probably fold. I, I don't know if they'd fold, but they've would, never been there. They would put themselves under just tremendous pressure. So we'll have to just wait and see. Finally, you finish up the regular season, you go down. Hey, not a bad way to spend a December afternoon. You get to go down to Miami and play the Miami Hurricanes. That's how you close your season. Uh, you know, all time meetings against Miami. Well, it's shockingly kind of close. This was a team when we. Saw them come into the conference. We thought, man, this they're going to be a powerhouse. Carolina's going to stand no chance against them. They've met 21 times. Carolina's won 10, and Miami has won 11. Yeah. Last meeting, of course, last year, uh, the first game back in Keenan Stadium for Mac Brown, a 28-25 win capped off by that huge game-winning touchdown throw from Sam Howell to Daz Newsom. This year's Miami Hurricanes team, well, we kind of expect somewhat similar to last year. Now, they don't have great... Gregory Rousseau, that's a humongous loss. One of the best defensive ends in the entire country, not playing this year, opting out. But they might finally have their solution at quarterback in De'Ara King, who comes over from Houston. Uh, but again, we've seen this story before with Miami where they feel like they've got their guy and things just kind of go south. They've got a lot of other guys that they have to replace as well. Um, but I think the main thing here, and one uh, a factor that will play in heavy to this game, you almost feel like, believe it or not, Manny Diaz could be fighting for his job when they play this game on December fifth. Yeah, he's entering year two, and this feels a lot like last year. When he this does this not feel somewhat like the Taggart situation at Florida State? I don't think it's that bad, but he yeah. took over last year and he tried to get a quick fix at offensive coordinator with Dan Enos and the quarterback with Tate Martell. That didn't work. He's doing the same thing again in year two. You get the Eric King, who we've seen has proven to be a better player than we've seen from Tate Martell. You bring in Rhett Lashley as the offensive coordinator. That's the guy that he was at Auburn. I I, I, I had like a man that, crush. I like that fit between King and Lashley, yeah. too. I think that works pretty um, well. 
a lot like Florida State. They've got talent. Cameron Harris and Brevin Jordan will return, but their offensive line last year was the worst in college football as a power five, and they gave it 51 sacks. Worse than Florida State. That's yeah. unbelievable. Um, you know, and you say you mentioned the the uh, Russo sitting out. They brought in uh, Temple transfer Quincy Roche, who Carolina saw in the bowl game. So, right, right. Um, but that helps. Yeah, but that helps. Would have liked to have. And those then, two together. then they're losing ninety nine yeah. starts from the court and the linebacker spot because all those young linebackers they finally moved on and graduated. They're not there anymore. Right. So there's a lot of question marks. I think Miami would probably give him maybe one more year, but. It's going to be a big game regardless because Carolina may need that win to solidify their standing in the ACC championship game. That'll also be, I think, a weird spot for Miami. Now, I think Miami will be in... I mean, they're always in the preseason hunt for the ACC. They yeah. always want to put them in there. They were picked to win it last year. I don't think that they're going to be in the hunt by this point. They'll be in a weird position, though, because I feel like they'll have a chance to upset Carolina, potentially find a way to knock them out of the ACC yeah. championship game. That's where I'm I'm a little concerned about this game, but at the same time, you still feel like Carolina is the better team here, no doubt. Um, I, you know, I still feel like you know, this game, believe it or not, going to Miami has not been as big of a challenge for Carolina as we thought it would be. Take away that Thursday night game two years ago, and they fared pretty well down there in South Florida. And again, that team in 2018 was nowhere near competitive. We knew that team was going to go down there and get smashed. But, I mean, remember back in 2016, we faced a tough test against them down there, found a way to win a game, a game where, believe it or not, in the Larry Fedora era, we actually played defense to win the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know overall we talked about it. The schedule stacks up well for Carolina. Um, I think you know the biggest road bumps we can agree: Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. Um, I, I think you know when I look at the schedule, I'm I'm in that nine and two range. I think that's probably where I'll, I, I land. I would say eight and three to, to ten and one, anywhere in that range. I don't think this team's going to go undefeated. No, I don't either. This I is a ten and one football team at best. Right. I have seen that. You know, Bleacher Report has listed them as one of the outside chances to go undefeated. I, I don't. They're I don't not see ready that. for that yet. I think also if they go undefeated, they would get hammered in that ACC championship game against Clemson because they would put just so very similar to what we saw in back in 2015. They put so much into winning those 11 straight games that by the time they got to that Clemson they game, everything was just spent. There was yeah. just nothing left in the tank for them. Um, I, 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 you know, I don't know if that's going to happen again this year. I hope not. Um, but I think, you know, I would, if I had to say right now, I would think that Carolina will go 9-2. and two. People will probably be angry at me. I think the losses, I think they'll lose at Virginia, and I think they will lose at home against Notre Dame. I don't know if they're quite there yet to beat Notre Dame, especially if Notre Dame is as good as some, as, as some people think they can be. That's my official prediction for this year. I'm hoping I'm wrong, though. Yeah, I've got them going 10-1, and and I okay. think the game they'll lose is the home game to Virginia Tech. That's where I see this team slipping up. Um, I, I, I think they can play with Notre Dame. I, th I think they'll beat Notre Dame because I think if they enter that game and they're so much on the line but they already have a loss, they'll be more prepared for it. If, they're, if, they're, yeah. if they enter that game undefeated, I don't think they'll win. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I got that feeling as well. But I, I think they'll slip up against Virginia Tech. It'll give Mac Brown a chance to regroup the team, get their attention again, and then they can make that final push. And, and at 10-1, they're going to play – in the AC Championship game against Clemson. 
So that's, mm-hmm. you know, but now look, if this team goes eight and three, I'm not going to be over here disappointed in the season because there very well could be an eight and three football team. Right. I don't see them losing though outside of Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. I think eight and three, it depends on who you lose to, though. If you find ways to win Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, but you lose to like NC State or Duke, okay, then, yes, you're then that's there, a like, disappointment. Then you're sitting there saying to yourself, okay, this is a little bit of a different eight and three. If this is eight and three with losses to, you know, let's say. That form of eight and three got us tired of Larry Fedora. Right. Because we want to beat State and Duke. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, okay, and I don't think that's going to happen. Right. I'm just saying there are different ways to look at it. Um, of course, we want you guys give us your uh, schedule predictions, your record predictions uh, for this season. Uh, we uh, are going to preview Syracuse in our next video edition of the podcast, so uh, we could potentially read some of those out on the air, um, give you your reactions to our predictions. I'm assuming that, believe it or not, I will be destroyed on social media for having this team go 9-2, and two, which uh, is unbelievable. <laughs> Losing, losing to Virginia is probably get you more heat than, than being 9-2. and two. I just – look, man, I, I think there's a game that they're going to slip up. I don't see anywhere else, I mean, that they're going to slip. I think Virginia is just one of those teams that Carolina always has a tough time with, and it's a road game. So, you know, I, that's really my reasoning behind it. I mean, I'm, I don't know any – the only other game that I would say on the road – I would be concerned about, and it's one of the reasons we love this. We we love this schedule so much. It's probably Florida State, but again, not the same environment. Cornrow Mike Norvell is probably not going to have his guys yeah. playing as hard as they will in future years. Um, so I, you know, I'll just I'll pick that game against Virginia. But you know what? Again, I. I am praying that I'm wrong. Let me be wrong on this. Let them find a way to have a lot of success. Look at the look on the bright side. This is a heck of a lot better than last year when our predictions were six and six and seven and five. Yeah, Carolina. Wait, no. I think I had them at five and seven. I don't even think I had them in a bowl game. Yeah, I had them in a bowl game. I think somebody may have said five and seven. What me? Because I had them or in a six bowl game. And six. Maybe I had them six and six too. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and listen to that edition of the podcast. But uh, yeah, much much more expectation this year uh, for this North Carolina Tar Heels team. Of course, you guys can go onto the website heeltoughblog.com. We got the schedule up there for you. We're going to update those game times as we go throughout the season as well. So make sure you guys are keeping an eye on that. The season for Carolina will kick off September. September 12th, noon kickoff. That is on ACC Network, correct? Against Syracuse. Um, that'll be a great way to start the season for Carolina. Uh, it's w- going to be weird, a noon game. We haven't played one of those in a while, but we uh, we feel pretty confident that this team can come out of the gate fast, uh, and we hope to see that on September 12th. Up until then, of course, as we mentioned, we're going to lead you guys up to that game. Any news and notes, those will be on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We've got some great stuff already up there getting you prepped for this upcoming game uh, against Syracuse uh, as well as uh, just the team in general. Any team news that you guys are looking at, uh, there's plenty of great articles on the website. You guys can go and check that out. Now, if you want to go back, watch our previous editions or listen to our previous editions of the podcast, you guys can go back and check those out. We've got the offensive preview. That's it by itself. We preview the whole offense. Then we've got defense and special teams together. Uh, That's a whole other separate edition of the podcast. All of those you can 
can uh, get prepared for this season. And of course, if you want to go back, learn even more about those, get head back to the website and search uh, the position previews. You can find all of those there. That'll give you all the information that you need for this upcoming season and this 2020 Tar Heels roster. So that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. We want to thank those who have been watching for watching. Encourage those who have been listening. Make sure you like uh, or rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, anywhere. Make sure that you give us a rating, give us a review, and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels!